Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Memorial Day Monday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football, some interesting news breaking over this long weekend about a potential transfer five-star player into USC. So we want to talk about that. A few other topics of note, answer some of your questions with the coach Harvey Hyde. He's on the line right now. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or Instagram at Coach Harvey Hyde or you can go to his website harveyhide.com. If you have any questions or comments for us, we love to hear from you. Drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you could call or text us. The number is 424-254-9141. We love doing the show. We love you guys listening out there. Please tell your friends that are USC football fans about our show. This is going to be our 12th football season uh, here at the Peristyle Podcast. We've been going for quite a while talking about the USC football team and we got some interesting news to talk about today but first we got to welcome in the coach coach Harvey Hyde happy Memorial Day to you coach hey thank you Ryan I tell you football goes year-round we're working on Memorial Day why we can't take a day off somebody (laughs) might uh, get ahead of us Ryan you know how that is so for all of you out there if you listen on Monday I hope you have a wonderful weekend get ready for Tuesday it'll be a short week and uh, I hope you were with, uh, you were with your family and friends. So, yeah, Ryan, football never goes away, and there's always something happening. That's why we're always doing our weekly podcast. Yeah, uh, we try to do them all the time. Obviously, we got some. Uh, we should be one or two more this week. We got to sneak a recruiting one in there too. But for today, there was some you know breaking news that uh, Archer Stravino put up uh, late Sunday night, and uh, been some follow ups from the. Texas side of things, twenty four seven sports. Um, we're, so we're going to talk about the potential of Brew McCoy uh, coming back to USC. Uh, before we do that, though, I just wanted to uh, you know wish everyone a very happy Memorial Day. It's a special day. Uh, a lot of saw a lot of great tributes to uh, you know fallen troops um, from over the years on on Twitter and Facebook and things like that. So I think it's it's nice when you're using social media for to remember uh, the fallen people that gave the ultimate sacrifice uh, to so we that allows us to do things like this and be a part of this great country. So happy Memorial Day, everyone. And uh, interesting note uh, over the weekend, like I talked about. So if you remember Brew McCoy, he's a five-star athlete, uh, wide receiver, uh, mostly playing. Uh, he was at Modern Day and uh, committed to USC, signed with USC, enrolled uh, in school at USC as an early enrollee couple weeks in, uh, decided to transfer out. So it was huge news. Uh, entering the transfer portal after already being at USC was not, uh, didn't go through spring football or anything yet, but he you know transferred out uh, to Texas. And he's been at Texas, goes through spring ball and all of that. And uh, we started to hear, man, it was, it might have been over a week ago. We started hearing some rumblings like, there could be something to this. Uh, the Bruce McCoy potentially could Come back. I actually reached out to some some Texas uh, sources and didn't really hear much on that side earlier. It was more kind of on the USC side. And, uh, you know, last night, Chris Trevino put it out there. Um, so he's, uh, it looks like right now, he's uh, his intent is to transfer from Texas, the most likely uh, landing spot. Uh, 
is USC. Don't think anything is, uh, you know, said, so nothing's been made official. He's not even uh, listed in the transfer portal uh, as of yet at, at the time we're recording this. But really interesting development. The transfer portal has made things uh, very entertaining, I guess you could say, this offseason. This one is about, I mean, I don't know, like this. We haven't really seen anything uh, like this before, Coach. Uh, I think, I think it was Seth Collins uh, who decided to transfer out of uh, Oregon State when they switched him from quarterback to wide receiver. Was going to go to like Northern Illinois or something. I want to say or something like that, and then ended up coming back, uh, but then transferred to uh, Texas Tech after that. But um, this is something that's pretty unique coach. And, uh, maybe we'll see more of it, but this is a pretty unique one. I don't know. If, I don't know if you can like even make this kind of stuff up. Well, I, I think Ryan, uh, these things happen. I've had it happen to me, but not in the same year or almost the same semester, but it happens. That's why when a student athlete says, coach, I'm going to another school, you say, you know, we wish you'd stay with us or we wish you'd have picked us because you really fit our program. We really like you. And we've known you for a long period of time and watch you play all the time. You don't really burn a bridge, but you say, you know, if things aren't what it's supposed to be, then remember our number. We'll take you back. We think you're a great player, so on. But the only way that that kid can find out if he wants to come back, if he's that set on going is to let him explore it. And sometimes kids become very confused at the last moment regarding what they should have done. And when he went to USC and selected USC, he's always wanted to be a Trojan. So all of a sudden something uh, triggered him that, oh, I made a mistake or all the media or the coach Kingsbury leaving or whatever, the confusion got him confused. And he transferred to Texas. And then when he got to Texas, maybe it wasn't all what he was, what he thought it was going to be. He's probably became homesick. He wasn't the star that he was in California. People in Texas, well, you're just one of many. And we really favor our Texas kids because this is where we get all of our recruits from. Whatever, a combination of things. And he said, rather than wait, I'm going to leave or I'm thinking of leaving. Uh, he hasn't left and called i mean maybe it's called usc i don't know and go back to usc now i don't know what the transfer eligibility situation is if they have to appeal it or if it's a hardship or whatever will he be eligible this year or not but i'm sure he'll be able to redshirt and become a, a great player for the trojans so it's a combination i would say ryan of a lot of things as far as handling handling it right when he left and uh, in his mind, continuously, he wondered if he did the right thing. And after being there and not being there, people didn't even know who he was. He probably felt, you know, I'm going to go back to Southern California, be near home. Uh, my high school friends, uh, the Trojans, what USC has offered me, what they're doing offensively. And I think that's what has entered his mind. And we'll see if that happens. Yeah, we will, Coach. Uh, it's pretty Bizarre, I guess, is the best way you could put this uh, to see a player go into the portal uh, twice in you know a, a four month period or something like that. We just we haven't seen stuff like this before. Um, I think looking for you know there's these are all going to be the rules are are interesting because 
They're going to be tested. Um, he was already an initial counter at USC. And so as far as counting for one of the, the, the 25 scholarships um, that you can bring in every year, even though he transferred out, he came in. So he was counted. He was an initial counter uh, for USC. So that takes one of them away that USC could have brought in. He also, when he transferred to Texas, he was an initial counter there. Now, coming back, my guess is, and I, I haven't heard this for sure, but I was I kind of asking around. It seems like the, the understanding that the people I've talked to that kind of know the rules but, you know, like better than I do, at least, is because he was already an initial counter at USC, he doesn't have to be an initial counter again. It's not like he takes up another incoming scholarship. He already had one. Um, now, I mean, haven't got that confirmed for sure. That seemed that would make sense that uh, he'd already counted once. It's sort of like a, the double jeopardy thing. Uh, I don't think you could count twice. I mean, maybe you could. Um, but th- from what we've heard, that's what seems like it is. But I haven't been able to get anyone to confirm 100% that that's what the uh, the rule would be. But it's, it's interesting. I think USC had some pretty good momentum uh, after spring football with the way things went with Graham Harrell and uh, you know, things going with the team in the weight room and all that kind of stuff. It seemed like there were some positives there, Coach. The, you know, the negative in fe- February, certainly with the recruiting class, was more of a, a whimper than a, a big splash. This would be a pretty big splash, though, uh, you know, after, uh, you know, apparently missing out on uh, Chris Steele uh, when he transferred uh, out of Florida and made his intentions to go to Oregon. I know there's still been some rumblings and stuff about that, but you know, at least that was his initial decision to go to Oregon. This would be a pretty big deal, I think. I mean, getting uh, an, you know another five-star in um, into this class, I think it helps it all. I don't know how it would be classified because even in 24-7 sports, they didn't put Brew McCoy in the transfer portal we have there because they wanted to include him in Texas's recruiting class. Uh, well, he already went through spring football, so maybe he still would be part of Texas's recruiting class, not USC's. It doesn't really matter. It's just you know, kind of where he ends up, but this kind of testing all of <laughs> like the little nuances of rules and how things work coach, because we, like I said, just haven't seen something like this. Because it's within the same year and recruiting period. I don't believe it would count against USC. I think it'd be part of the 25 was they counted him as far as the 25. So obviously he would come back and be a part of that 25. They wouldn't charge him another scholarship for that. That, that doesn't even make common sense. So he might not be eligible, but it'd be like a redshirt type of eligibility. Uh, eligibility, you have to see what happens. But yes, it would make a great impact again for Southern California for many reasons, recruiting-wise. Again, the inn at my modern-day high school, being with his friends, all of the above, Bryce Young coming. You know, all of those type of things uh, make a difference as far as the image of USC and its football program. And this kid has a big name and. Uh, when people hear about this, this type of athlete coming back, uh, they say, wow, that's great. I want to play with these type of athletes. So I think it's a big thing for USC uh, as far as it happening. I hope it does. And uh, I think it'd be a coup as far as getting the momentum going uh, for recruiting and and getting back uh, to where the Trojans should be in recruiting. Yeah. Uh, and so scholarship-wise, too, just so people know, the, the initial scholarship uh, – uh, you know, that, that was already, uh, you know, counted for it. So like, like coach, I don't, I don't, like we said, I don't think that that's the case. Common sense would say you're not have to, you wouldn't have to count twice. Uh, looking at my scholarship distribution chart, uh, that would bump USC up to 82, 
uh, scholarship players and another freshman in the class who would be uh, uh, 35th. He'd be the 35th uh, freshman on the roster. So a lot of freshmen, a bunch of sophomores, some juniors, and then not that many seniors on this team. But uh, we'll see. It could have a huge impact on uh, on USC going forward. So kind of stay tuned. Uh, expectations probably you're going to see his name in the transfer portal in the next couple of days, I would guess. Um, that's what Chris Trevito is reporting to. Well, also, uh, I don't know if the people realize this, but Randall Grimes has committed to UNLV. So uh, just to keep everybody up to date, you may have reported that already, Ryan, but I wanted to mention that to everybody. Yeah, I forgot. we haven't talked about it on the podcast and stuff uh uh, yet, but he was originally committed to Minnesota, right? And then uh, that's changed. So it's hometown team of uh, UNLV. So um, good for uh, uh, good for Randall. I think it'll be good for him to go home and uh, and, and get there. But yeah, that's were you you were hearing that around uh, from your UNLV sources, coach, before? Or? That's right. I have, and I have, and I think he'll get a hardship approved uh, for reasons. And I think it'll be good for him. It'll be great for his program. And he's back home and uh, love to see kids get taken care of. And, uh, you know, when they make a mistake or they have to transfer, sometimes he's confused too, uh, like uh, McCoy may have been. Uh, I think he's a great athlete, okay? I think he's an impact player for them, to get players like that. So uh, I'm happy for the kid and I'm happy for UNLV. I feel bad for USC because I think they lost a, a great player. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, but Bruce McCoy coming in certainly would help uh, some of the losses that USC's had uh, at wide receiver. Yeah, Bruce McCoy being one of those losses. So <laughs> that's a direct replacement for one of the losses. You bring the same guy back. Um, also, wanted to talk about we got to discuss this last week a little bit, but not with you, Coach. The uh, the the Athletic came out with a story uh, where USC's uh, you know basically second command in the uh, in the athletic department behind Lynn Swan, Steve Lopes kind of hinted at, hey, they could potentially schedule FCS teams. Um, inst- you know, that's something that USC has not done before. Uh, we talked about this on our like, Tunnel Vision show and some of the other stuff on the website and everything. But, Coach, I want- we didn't get to talk with you about that. I wanted to get your thoughts on that potential if USC would go down that road. Well, you know, uh, you've got to follow a motto that, uh, a mold or whatever you want to call it, that has been working. And it certainly has been working for the Southeastern Conference and also working for the ACC as far as playing a team where you get a W and you really basically have a nice scrimmage and a bye week. And you don't pound yourself weekly. And I think currently now in the Pac-12 with the type of schedule that the Pac-12 plays, as we all know, they play one more game than those other conferences. So that means they're going to have one more loss. Someone is than those other co- uh, conferences that doesn't help as far as your overall ranking and going to the playoffs. So I think that also with the parody now in the PAC 12 and, and uh, everything uh, that way that anybody can beat anybody, it's been proven Washington state and Oregon and Washington and all these other schools and the coaching changes that are going on. David shot Stanford. You don't want to play him every week either. You know, really, you look at this and you say, well, we don't want this, but you got to remember the way USC was in uh, some of those years in competing, they were just better than everybody. I mean, uh, that's why they could play that type of schedule. They had more players than everybody else. They beat them to death. And those other schools in the conference really weren't that competitive 
with USC. Uh, John McKay used to say, my O is better, bigger than your X, so if we don't mess it up, we're going to beat you. And now I think with the parity in the Pac-12, I think schools will look towards that to be able to get a W, which goes towards your winning percentage, uh, have a good scrimmage, heal up, give some of your re- your reserves a chance to play, have a home game out of it. Now, one thing, too, will the people in Southern California come out to support that type of schedule in the Coliseum when they have so many options as far as with the Chargers and the Rams and, and so on? I think they will if you win. If you win, people come out, they doesn't, doesn't make any difference who you play. And I think that that's proven in some of these other areas when they have fifty and 60,000 at their spring game. Because they just want to see their team and support their team. So it, I don't think it's as bad as what everybody's making it. I mean, look who they still play. I mean, they still play BYU. They still play. If, the, if it was going to be this year, they still play Notre Dame, and that's one of the top teams in the country every year. So if they pick up someone there, you know, I don't think it's going to be bad. Plus, Steve Lopes, I know Steve Lopes, and he does the scheduling. It's not easy to get people to play USC. And you only have certain dates that are open with the Notre Dame uh, uh, game that they have every year. So you call all over the country and people say, no, we don't want to come to the Coliseum. No, we don't want to play USC, whatever. So it's not as easy. And I think he's sort of letting people know that this possibility could happen, but I don't think it's going to uh, ruin the program or the tradition at USC. If anything, uh, if they have the type of program they need, it'll be a rest week plus get a W with the competition the way it is. So I don't think it's that bad. I mean, if I was the head coach at USC or when I was at UNLV and other schools, I mean, I didn't mind having an opponent that I figured that we could win and still get better. So I think that this is something that uh, people have to look at. All right. Um, coach wanted to uh, talk about that, obviously, the F- on the FCS uh, side of things. But there's uh, so an interesting uh, development as far as um, – what's going to change for USC and their salute to Troy event. And if you don't know, uh, usually if the salute to Troy has been an event, that's like a big barbecue, uh, on campus, uh, on Cromwell field. And, uh, it's, it's a fun event. The players will come out, they'll go to practice and they'll come out, uh, and they're, you know, shower and then they'll get in their jerseys and hang out with people. And, uh, it's, it's been a fun event. No, you know, a few years ago, there's that weird stuff that happened with Steve Sarkeesian, but since then it's been pretty quiet. Nothing really uh, a major going on there, but um, I, I they're going to make some changes, Coach. I'll let you talk about that. But uh, I like I like the new direction of the way this is going, and it it gets it's a way for USC fans to kind of get into the Coliseum before that first uh, Rams preseason game because you'd rather have something USC in the Coliseum as opposed to something Rams be the first thing in the newly renovated Coliseum. But I wanted to get your thoughts on that if you want to explain what's going on there, Coach. Well, what I've heard, and I think probably some people have heard the same thing, and uh, until it's really official, I think it is official. But I wouldn't say this, but uh, I think it's a tremendous idea to take the salute Detroit to the Coliseum and the renovated Coliseum. I, uh, like in the spring, you heard me say they really never had a game-like situation where they had an opportunity to be off the field, use their set uh, headsets and everything. Remember, they have five new coaches. So you have to see who's going to be upstairs, who's going to be downstairs, what really works, what really doesn't work. And then again, the uh, 
the opportunity of I would go to a hotel and I would set the standard the night before uh, the scrimmage uh, exactly how it's going to be. What I, what I expect, what you wear, how you ride the bus, do we allow headsets, the whole thing, assistant coaches, what we wear on the sideline, the whole package. So when it becomes game night or game day, you're not uh, disciplining people then or telling them exactly what the rules are and regulations. You go through all of that as far as the meetings, the taping in the hotel, the whole thing. So there's a schedule of events, the itinerary, you go on the field, uh, you do your stretching, you do everything, everything like a real game, the whole thing. And also, it's the real thing for the fans. The way I understand it, the fans that have tickets or season tickets or whatever will sit in their seat. So when they go to the Coliseum, they know where their seat is. So they'll say, not just on game day, they'll say, this is where we sit. This is how we get there. This is great. And I think it's the same thing, too, for a player. When they go in the new locker rooms and they take the field, it's not looky-looky day. Oh, look at this. Look at that. That's new. Oh, how about this turf? Oh, man, look at that press box. Hey, no. You want all that out of the way. Get all your looky-lookies out of the way a couple of weeks before your first game. So when you go to play Fresno State, it isn't like they haven't seen the Coliseum before. They don't know what it looks like or where they stand or sideline discipline or the whole thing. So I think it's really a heck of an idea. Plus, they can still have all the tailgating opportunities there at the Coliseum. There's not a conflict with the Rams. I think the Rams had a, have a preseason game the next Saturday, so I think that's why they've selected uh, the 17th. I think it's a win-win for the fans. I think it's a win-win for the team and coaches, everybody, because the Salute to Troy is a great traditional event, but it was sort of dying off. The attendance was sort of dropping down. And I don't want to say it was boring, but it was starting to not be really what I consider an exciting day. Plus, the practice was sort of cut back so they could get to Salute to Troy and all of that. Now, it's a game situation for everybody. The tailgating your area. Go to your season ticket seats or wherever you sit. The team is in the locker room doing what they do on game day. Ryan, I don't think you can do enough of this. I think it's absolutely fabulous. And, Ryan, you'll probably have an opportunity to sit in the press box in your new seat, too, so you'll be better prepared. That would be uh, that would be pretty cool um, to check that stuff out. You know, we've heard there's still, um, you know, there's some issues there as far as finishing the Coliseum. they got a long way to go. Um, but it's uh, – yeah, I, I think that would be a really neat event. We, you know, we kind of give a, a USA crap when they do like bizarre things. I think this is a really good, uh, really good idea. So uh, I'm glad uh, they're going to do something like this and uh, get get people in the Coliseum to get a, a feel for it. I think, like you said, Coach, the attendance of Salute Troy hasn't been that great, and I think they tried to after the Steve Sarkeesian stuff. I think they tried to put less emphasis on it, like just make it like a. Yeah, we're doing one, but don't necessarily, um, you know, they weren't trying to make the biggest deal out of it just because, you know, it's kind of a crazy, uh, you know, kind of a crazy thing uh, that happened. And they just didn't want w more weird things and, you know, bad press to come out of an event that's supposed to be, you know, positive and, uh, and fun for the fans. But this will change it, I think, uh, change the kind of narrative of what Salute Detroit is if they're going to keep doing that going forward. 
um, especially with not having a spring game the last couple of years. At least this gets a fans an opportunity to get in there and, and check it out, sit in the new seats, see where they're going to be. And uh, I think it's cool. So I'm glad, you know, props to USC for uh, putting that together. I think this is the right call. I think it's one of the smartest things they've done, Ryan. I really do. Because people know where they park, where their parking spot is. I hope they give their assigned parking places to them, too, so they know how to get into the Coliseum, where their parking's going to be. The whole package. So that way, on game day, everybody isn't upset. They know where to go. I think it's a great experience for the players and the fans and the media and everybody involved with the USC Trojan football program. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll kind of move on. Those are some of the topics we wanted to discuss. We get to a couple questions and uh, leave you guys with that. We got Brett from Valencia. He says, my question is, if Clay Elton does well this season because of Graham Harrell, would other teams uh, be looking for him maybe as a head coach? And you know, so basically he wants to know if people are going to try to poach uh, Graham Harrell away, either for a head coaching position or, you know, could be offensive coordinator or something somewhere else. But what did Coach Hyde do when he was the head coach and other teams were looking at his assistance? Huge fan of the podcast. Keep up the great work as always. Fight on. Brett from Valencia. I hated it. I did because you go out and you find great coaches. And, of course, at UNLV, uh, people could come in like, you know, the 49ers or USC and some of these great programs. We weren't in or on that level and uh, pay more money and take young coaches or take coaches that are qualified and give them a great opportunity to have a dream come true. It happens. I've had coaches leave and go to Texas Tech and go to different areas uh, that it was difficult for me to sit down when they would come in and say, Coach, I've got to talk to you. I'd say, oh, gosh, here we go again. And uh, I would say to them, congratulations. I would say to them, thank you very much for what you're doing. And I'd say, is it the money that makes the difference? Because I'll try to go to the athletic director and make a difference. And if they said, no coach, it's just a great opportunity. Then I'd shake his hand, give him a big hug, hug, hug. And he'd, he'd go. I just have to ask him when he's going to be going so that I can have enough time to go out and find someone. And it's very difficult to find great coaches. It really is because now all of a sudden, especially if you lose a lot of coaches in one year, you're coaching the coaches and not the players. You're trying to tell the coach, no, that's not the way we ride the bus. No, that's not the way we teach that drill. No, that's not where you do warm-ups. All the different things. And a new coach goes to a recruiting area that he has to familiarize himself with and all the coaches and all the contacts he has. So it's a, it's a big deal when you lose a coach. It really is, especially if your coach has been recruiting certain players I used to ask him, please don't recruit the players away from us that you've already brought here, but you used our money to bring them here. Please don't, and that helped you get your job. Please be loyal enough to, to leave those players alone. And sometimes they did, and sometimes they didn't. So it's a very difficult thing to do about Graham Harrell. I don't think yet he will leave USC uh, because why would he leave USC if he has a successful year? Why would you do that? You can't, there's not many programs that are uh, got greater tradition than USC. And if you don't have a great year, nobody's going to want you anyway. So if you have a great year, just stay there, man. Maybe you'll get an extension on your, your contract because you're not going to get a, 
a head coaching job in one year. You know, a lot of people think that was an accident. What happened? He had great players, and that's why he win. You have to establish yourself to get a great head coaching position. Now, in lower level jobs, there's a possibility, but why would he go to a lower level job? Yeah, wouldn't even consider it. I would tell him. You're crazy to do that if I was the head football coach. You stay here, you'll make more money here, you make more money here than you would as the head coach there. So uh, that's my uh, answer to those questions or that question. I think it was a good question. No, good question. And I think, um, you know, if you're talking about leaving for a head coaching position, that's hard to do. Um, it's hard to stop because, you know, that's a you know significant upgrade when you get to actually run uh, your own program. And I, I think that doesn't look bad, like, coach, if – if your offensive coordinator got hired to be like the head coach at uh, Texas Tech or something like you said, like that's a that's a that's I think that looks good on you that one of your assistant coaches would be uh, considered for something like that. Oh, I agree 100 percent. I lost a coach to 49ers, my recruiting coordinator, which uh, he went in and became a, a director of player personnel. Mike Lombardi, I think you've all heard of him. He just wrote a book. Uh, Gridiron Greats became a general manager for two or three teams in the NFL. Uh, I've lost coaches to uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. I've lost coaches to, you know, great programs. So, uh, you know, that happens. That's part of the job. So uh, you you have to adjust to it and understand if it was me, I left the head coaching position at Pasadena City College. It was really hard to say, I was taking that job because I had so many great players there and we won so much. It was so difficult for me to leave. But sometimes you have to say, I got to take this opportunity because I never, never may ever get it again when I went to UNLV. Yeah. So uh, you got to do some things and make a decision on your life and the future of what you're going to be or you can't look back and say, I wish I'd have done that. Yeah. So I think that's the type of uh, uh, thing it is. We got one more question, Michael from Newport Beach. Uh, he says, I know USC is trying to market itself, and part of that process is getting the individual players uh, more media like the, uh, he said, below screenshot. Um, okay, I, yeah, I, I don't see a screenshot here. Sorry about that. This was uh, an email to use on their personal social media accounts. So, yeah, there's there's been a push, and they'll get screenshots that uh, they'll you know individual players will tweet out if you see some of that. He said, this is nothing against Michael Pittman, my critique is on the athletic department and Clay Helton. Why does it seem like the majority of the media is so focused on the individual versus the team or position squad or even the class? Pittman is senior shouldn't be repping his class, making their stamp to write the five and seven ship. As coach always points out, the small things like sock shirts and uniformity of the team matter. Why don't the athletic department coaches set the table uh, for the right environment? And uh, I didn't see. Um, I looked through uh, Michael's uh, posts and stuff, and um, it seems like you know he he tweeted some some team stuff for sure. Uh, you know he tweeted he graduated recently. He tweeted pictures with uh, some of his uh, friends and you know that he had graduated with some of his classmates and stuff. So yeah, I mean that's I, I I don't know what do you think about that, Coach? I haven't seen that being too much of a problem, but what did you think? As far as teammates or just what, what is the main question that just the question? So well, I can well, it's answer like, it directly. Are, are you, he, he thinks that there's their social media policy is a little too much, um, about individuals and not, um, and not about the team. I agree with that. 
I think there's no control on their social media. I think anybody that they have too much uh, going out on their own as far as pictures and flexing their muscles and doing the different things. I think there's too much. I think there's a sports information department that highlights each one of them. I think it's all right to tweet out to your friends as far as happy birthday, these and that, but, but the football program itself is a team. I agree a hundred percent. And when it becomes individual, then everybody tries to outdo the other person. I don't think any of those type of things should be out there. I think it's a, a thing that the sports information department allows. I mean, you have the opportunity of interviewing anybody you want and all these different things. I think that's enough. I don't think uh, it becomes an individual thing. And with social media, it's, it's really tough. Uh, there are some programs that uh, when you check in the hotel the night before the game, they just take their phones and say there's no more communication with the world till after the game. And, uh, you know, I think that the phone becomes a non-focus uh, apparatus. I mean, you're tweeting on the bus. You're tweeting in the locker room. You're looking at halftime to see what people are thinking about their performance. What are you doing? So there's some people that say, check your, check your phones in. And if someone rebels on that, what are you thinking about? We've worked all year around for this one hour of performance, and you have to look at your phone to see if you have to return a call. If there's a big emergency, we'll get it to you. We'll get the message to you. So there's some things that I might say out there, and, the coach, and you parents or somebody might say, that's ridiculous. But, hey, it's not ridiculous. When you consider uh, what you're doing, When if you're a lawyer, do you take the phone into your uh, courtroom and, and, and call people or tweet out things? If you're a doctor, do you take your phone into the surgery room or read how you're supposed to do the surgery? Hey, you're going to work and you're doing surgery on your opponent. So I'm not saying they should do that. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm, I'm answering the question. I think there is too much social media structured within the USC football program. The, uh, the, I, I went and found the email because it didn't have the attachment uh, originally, but it was actually an Instagram post. Uh, and so USC will put out these edits for some of the individual players. And this one was like Michael Pittman in a cowboy hat and, Coliseum in the background and traveler running and stuff. It's kind of cool. I mean, I think you, as a, as a program, you're obviously marketing the team all the time, but you have to market your potential stars. And Michael Pittman's certainly uh, a potential star. Um, so I think you're doing, you're doing things like that. I, I don't see this as being some kind of huge problem. This is not like during the season or anything, but they're making a push uh, to try to, uh, market this team because they were five and seven, uh, like you mentioned. So I think they're trying to do whatever they can to put it out there. Like, Hey, there's some exciting stuff coming, you know, get people excited again. Cause there really haven't been a high level of excitement uh, for this team, you know, and people are very critical of the coaching staff and all that kind of stuff. So to me, it's just, they're trying to like build some, some momentum and stuff here. And they have, you know, department that'll work on graphics and, stuff for some of the individuals out there, but I think they do a lot of team stuff too, but it's, that's just, I think one of the aspects of what they're trying to do social media wise. Now, let me ask you who sent that out. So it was the, the edit was done by USC. And then uh, I think they give them to the players and like Michael Pittman put that up on his Instagram. So, so the athletic department allowed that to happen. That's what you're saying. 
Yeah, my understanding is that they'll they'll put some of these together for some of the players and and give them things. And here you can uh, tweet this out. And they, I think well, there's like Trojan Tuesday. They're doing stuff where they're trying to get more. Uh, they have former players that'll they'll have them tweet old pictures to try to get people excited. So they're this is just I think part of their sort of social media marketing plan, you could say. Well, let me put it to you this way. If you play good enough, people know who you are. If you win enough games, people will come to the games and uh, try to do or encourage people that way. I don't think it's the right way. Uh, I think Michael Pittman's a great player, and I think he's a leader and all of that. I don't know if Alabama does that or Clemson does that or Ohio State does that. Uh, uh, I think that uh, uh, if it comes out of the – and if you're a great player and you're trying to be – uh, an award-winning player, you do it on the field, and I hate to see uh, that stuff. I wouldn't allow it in my football program, okay? I think you're making a joke with the uniform or the, the tradition and everything else to get people to go. And I think the people that allow that to happen really don't know how it affects the image of your program and coaches and people that have played, past players like Munoz and all these guys. You think they dressed up like that or Marcus Allen to get people to come or Matt Leinhardt? Heck, No. Don't level your, don't lower your level of your standards of your program. I'm not for it. I, and as you know, I always, this is my opinion. And Ryan, you had a different opinion. You call it cool, <laughs> but I don't think it's part of what a, what a program is. You know, I, I would never allow that. Okay. For my sports information department. And I'm not saying Pittman, did, I'm saying I would never allow that for my sports information department. And if urban Meyer was to ever come to USC, I'm not saying he's coming. There'd be a lot of changes and a lot of things at USC. Yeah, I'm sure there'd be some things done differently. Um, all right, Coach. Well, good stuff. Uh, thanks for uh, jumping on on this Memorial Day weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Hey, buddy. It's always good to have you working on a holiday. Yeah. I love it. We, I love you working on your holiday. I do. We do what we can, you know. Uh, we got to do what on. you got to do to win. Remember, winning yeah. isn't easy. Everybody's trying to do it, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) Winning's a popular thing, so everyone's trying. Um, All right. Well, that's the coach, Harvey Hyde. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.